Hey, this is the DM Discourse, a podcast about D&D focused on the experience of the table from behind the screen. I'm your host, Daryl, and today I'm talking about all those NPC friends your players will inevitably make, and what you can do to flesh out those companions your party invests their time and emotions with, and not just to break their hearts. Dragonborn extraordinaire merchant of the undersea and lands above. The sun has set again on another day of my great adventures, which you are fortunate to be neglecting the events of. It has been about a half week since I have met Master Skaji, Master Olrun, and Master Petwar on the docks of the Cross Swamp Tavern, and the excitement has never stopped. Even when we first left the dock, we were beset by homeless bird folk, and even the accursed Yuan Ti. May whatever fool wizard who mixed together their cursed kind be a forever cursed himself. Thankfully, my trio of new friends were able to easily dispatch these feats. What skill they possess alongside a fortune to run into Zigtanel himself, the renowned traitor that I am. And we have even now taken on new members of our ship's crew, which we have taken to calling the Iknan, per Master Pedwar's carving along the bow. Upside down if I am to be understanding it correctly. Mr. Antonio is apparently a famous guitarist, although I have never heard of him. And Mr. Chitu is some kind of talking bird. She is strange, but has a kind heart too big for her stature. She resembles a small owl, but is fully capable of speech and oddity. But they make a good pair of traveling entertainers and will only help grow the fame of our roaming band of do-gooders. Even one of the local goblins, Brock, has joined our crew. Whereas yours truly serves as quartermaster, the goblin has a knack for navigation upon the treacherous river roads of the swamp. Plus, he is very good at cards. However, he is not good at persuading the local elves to release me from captivity. Unjust, might I add. Due to a misunderstanding, it seems my wares were unappreciated by the local wolfmane elf tribe and their tribal leader took me hostage until uh, the master friends were able to return and persuade her to let me go. She is a very harsh lady, but I guess she need be. It is hard for elves everywhere, even in the lawless drifting isles. However, the magic lady, Iliara Starcloak, is very nice. Plus, she even has a name. Zygdanel is well learned and knows that elves without a tribe do not keep a name. But Starcloak does. That makes her brave, I think. Plus, she did not try to capture me for selling the master friend's Lamia head they found to her apprentice. Instead, she fired him. Zygtanel made 20 gold pieces. Very fortunate for Zygtanel. The masters also returned from the hulls under the heel again. Much worse for wear. It looks like Master Antonio was attacked by something that melted a piece of his uh, shiny armor. From the discussions they have had, it sounds like we may be leaving Fen's Keep for a while. I'm always looking forward to more great adventures, which you will surely hear about, my dearest journal.
Your player characters are going to make friends in your game, and in my experience, this is true even if they're vile, sinister people with amoral and selfish goals. It'll just happen, given enough time. One of those imaginary people you concocted from your mind we will stick for them, and they'll want to keep up with them, check on them, or even bring them along on their adventures. This isn't like hirelings, where they're using their own coin to enlist a certain class to help them out, or like a DMPC that you could run to uh, use for your own narrative purposes. Just straight up one of those rando nobodies they run into town. If they do this, I think you just received a present, because it ultimately means that they are genuinely invested in your world, your campaign, and the time they are spending at a table talking in weird accents. They've shown their hand, they are forming that emotional attachment to these characters, and that leaves plenty of creative space for you to reciprocate. And it also leaves them vulnerable. Let me talk about Zictanil for a second. I think I mentioned him in one of the earlier episodes. He's a dragonborn merchant with a penchant for getting into trouble. He talks with endless excitement about whatever the hell it is that's happening to the group. But I never tried forcing him on the players or require them to interact with Zictanil. If they weren't interested, he could have just as easily left the boat as soon as they got the fence keep. But rather than treat him like a resource or contact, the party actually got Zik involved in their antics. The story I mentioned earlier is absolutely true. The party came back immediately from the dungeon after they ran into a black pudding in the entrance room of the second floor. The fighter Antonio, a new player, had his first taste of genuine terror in the game when it started to melt the AC of his shiny, expensive plate armor, and they seemed to be incapable of damaging it for a low-level party. I probably tricked them going further into this anyway. They solved the door of the Seven Stars puzzle and defeated an undead Lamia, collecting its head and figuring out what to do with it next. As they made their way back, they figured out a solution. Sell it. And who better to help them sell it than their good friend Zictanil? Surely, as such a renowned merchant that he claims to be, he could fetch a good price for it, right? As you probably figured out, Zictanil is no good at his profession. He travels in a set of rags and an oversized coat that he stores whatever trinkets he collects that could not fit in his backpack. It didn't make sense to keep a rotting Lamia head on the boat, so they took it to the closest thing they had to a magic shop in Venskeep, the Tower of the Golden Fire Order. It functions as a cabal of local magic users, essentially teaming up just to regulate their own businesses more than control the town. At least that's the front Iliara Starcloak presents. We'll come back to the Order uh, and Starcloak in the future, but for now, the party just wanted to talk to Timbor, her apprentice manning the front desk. With Starcloak herself busy and none of the other superior members present, the party was able to swindle him for a few coins. At the time, it was just a good jest for them, but it ended up costing Timbor that job for buying essentially a useless body part. There's no necromancer in need of it, so it was about as useless as a trinket Timbor could buy. You don't need to worry, though. He eventually did get his job back. Your players don't need to be present for your companions to have their own adventures, either. Given that Hawking wears is Zick's usual job wherever they're at port, he thought he'd try his luck with the nearby elf tribe, the Wolfmanes. This was my player's second encounter with an elf tribe, but arguably went better. Zick had strained the tribe's patience. I can't remember if it was for trying to sell them something important or was just being a nuisance, but at some point, Chieftain Wolfmane... Uh, she had him strung up and captive until the party came to get him. When the party arrived, they got another dose of how weird I enjoy making elves. 
None of the members have first names in the tribe, at least not ones that they share to outsiders. They also have a, uh, they have just a, a shared tribal name as their surname as part of their culture. The idea of the individual is mostly lost to elven culture because of how they view it uh, has historically troubled them. If you call, recall from earlier, the elves in my setting have a curse that eventually turns them into demons if they succumb too much to their something. I'm still working on it even now. Neither of these scenarios is to illustrate the only ways you can get your friendly embassies into trouble, but just know that there's definitely things you can do to tug at a player's heartstrings. Find the ones they like and put them in unfortunate circumstances if you so desire. I guess they don't always have to be unfortunate. The NPCs could have good times too. It's also good to be receptive to signals your players send about characters they're interested in recruiting. After Skiji retrieved their boat from the goblin excavators, he made it clear that they were welcome to join so long as they didn't cross them. One of the goblins, Brog, the first one that they encountered, took the cleric up on the softer. Um, and it proved genuine. Brog knew from the get-go that their Melwa leader, Mido, was up to something, something dangerous that he didn't want to be a part of. So now they had a navigator for the boat, one who would be invaluable in an aquatic-based setting. He also ended up being the coolest head of the bunch, the whole party. Uh, Brog tends to look at these, uh, look at these like problems and other situations from a detached, logical perspective. He isn't heartless, but he's had life under, or he's had a life under someone else's thumb. People much bigger, much stronger than himself. He's against trying to push his luck because he doesn't want to risk the position he's in. He also ended up working as a good foil for Zictanil, one that I hadn't planned either. Essentially, they can now provide differing perspectives for the group if they are without any leads to work with, but they're not entirely separate. They both care for the well-being of the crew, and as the months of play went on, they started to form a genuine friendship between themselves, not just with the PCs. It's good to let your players establish relationships with the NPCs, but don't forget that they can also interact together. It may be a bit weird having to put on a few different hats within the same conversation at first, but once you get the hang of it, you can start providing conversations that can bounce between a bunch of different characters, showing their own bias as opinions between each other. Probably useful for running a solo campaign, I think, um, but then that reminds me, I have done solo campaign stuff and probably should talk about it uh, at some point, but again, that'll be a different episode. But for now, going back to NPCs, they can be just as lively as you want them to be, and develop them as much as you care to. They don't need to be the stars of the campaign, nor should they. It really should revolve around the player's actions, but you can use them to accent or enhance the storytelling that the players are going for. This only works all the better as your players get invested in them as well, and they become standalone characters that the party wants to follow up with or keep a genuine connection with. It turns, hey, let's go see if the guard captain, maybe he has a quest, uh, turns that into, hey, let's go see the guard captain and ask how his wife and kids are doing. It's not always about the NPCs they bring along on their adventures either. There's probably going to be a resident or two in each town that they care about. And while the party's uh, away, things can change. Time passes. They aren't just going to sit at the shop doing nothing throughout the seasons. For my current campaign, they took a shine to the resident weaponsmith, Iotsev Nevsky. I don't really know what's appealing about a guy who sells you swords, but they seem to like him all the same. It may have had to do with him coming from the same part of the country as Antonio, so there was some interaction there. Um, 
So I started planting seeds for a cliched, mysterious backstory, a fake name he works under, dangerous shadows stalking his shop at night, wary reactions to hints that the party dropped, or bits of conversation that they say in passing. Uh, none of it was especially planned early on, but I figured so long as I started sending the players those signals, it could culminate into fleshing out the NPC down the road. And it did, as you'll find out in future episodes. It ended up forming a strong arc of the campaign later on. <laughs> all right, I'm going through all this, and I think I've said all I've got for now. Let your friends make friends with the characters they like, then flesh them out to get them to like them more. It's going to give you great story opportunities and the party's further investment uh, in your campaign, which is always something you want more of. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you have any thoughts, feel free to email me at dmdiscoursepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to me on Twitter at dmcds. Eh. At DMDC Podcast. I'm usually pretty good at getting that one off the tongue. Uh, appreciate y'all out there, and as always, take care and have a great week.